All right, there were these two antennae, and they met on a roof, and they fell in love. They got married. Now, the wedding ceremony wasn't very fancy. However, the reception was incredible. Some of you might grasp that, all right. Remember, I don't write them, all right? Well, this morning, we are going to conclude our series, Real Christianity, and I've entitled the message, Are You Changing? Are You Changing? Lord, I thank you for our worship team, the time of worship, and just being brought into your presence, and just being able to focus on you. There's such life, Lord, when we just take our minds and our thoughts off of ourselves and this world and on to you. It's amazing how our burdens just seem to melt away. And as we continue to look at your word, I pray that that'll even happen even in a greater way. I thank you for each person here this morning. And I just ask as we conclude this series that there'll be great clarity, great clarity on the subject of born againness and how I can know if I'm truly born again. No more important question than that. So I just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would fill me from the soles of my feet to the crown of my head. I also ask that you would just come and manifest yourself in the congregation. Give each one of us just soft hearts to receive and ears to hear what you're saying, Lord, because your words are words of life. And I just give you this time in praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, it's been said that there's two absolutes in life. Those two absolutes would be death and taxes. I would like to submit to you that there's a third absolute. That third absolute is change. Change. You know, in a conversation I had with my oldest sister, Terry, she lives out in California. She's the one who's a doctor, and uh, she uh, is clearly not a follower of Jesus Christ, but she's growing interest. She's showing signs of interest. That's always an exciting thing. And uh, she was just commenting on how much change is occurring in terms of advancements, like there's advancements in the fields of technology and science and medicine, which she's in. And then she said this very interesting thing. She said, you know, but in the last 2,000 years, it seems like man hasn't changed. Humanity hasn't changed. In fact, you know, she said, we still have murder, we have rape, we have wars, we rob one another, we hate one another, we're selfish as ever. She goes, man just doesn't seem to change. That's coming from a person who was kind of an atheist. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? And you know, for the most part, she's right. But here's where she's wrong, and this is what I was able to talk to her about, is there's one reason why Jesus Christ came to this planet, and that was to change you and me. No, let's make no bones about this. Jesus Christ, plain and simple, came to change us, to set us free. You know, he came to liberate us from our selfishness, from our flesh, from our old man. He came to liberate us from the glitter of this world. So many of our, us are just wasting our lives on the American dream. He came to free us and liberate us from the lies of Satan. In a word, Jesus came so that we could live in light. Let me tell you, there's nothing more beautiful than living in light rather than darkness. He wants us to live in victory and not defeat. I want to say it again. He wants you. He wants you. He wants me. He wants this church to live in victory and not in defeat. Jesus came with the express purpose of changing every single human being to look like him. How's them for apples? In fact, the Apostle Paul wrote this in Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them 
to become like who they want to be. No, he chose. The whole purpose of born-againness is to look like Jesus. And the first step in becoming born again, and that's what we've been talking about, the first step in becoming born again or looking like Jesus is becoming born again. And, you know, it absolutely blows my mind. We were, you know, it's connected. Can you believe they let us in the casino yesterday, you know, area? It's kind of an interesting thing to talk about Jesus. I don't know if we'll get there next year, but it was interesting this year. Those people need Jesus. Those people, you know, need a change. And it's fascinating, though, how many people think that they're a Christian. You know, I had a Christian thought. I thought about Jesus. I'm a Christian. And I stand in a garage, like I say, and I go vroom, vroom, and I'm a Maserati. Just because you say it doesn't make it so. And we've been talking about born again. How can I really know? There's no more important question because, see, Jesus said if you're to die right now and you're not born again, you will die in your sin. You know, and it's, I, I stress it to non-believers more than anything. I say, you know, statistically, it still stands one out of one people die. That includes you. No, it, it hits them like a tuba, and then they begin to laugh. And I said, if you die in your sin, the Bible says you're either going to heaven or you're going to hell. And I asked him, do you believe in hell? So being born again is important. We saw in order to be born again, we've been looking at the marks of born againness. First mark, first mark is repentance. You have a repentant heart. You, are, you see the dark. And by the way, you can't drum this up. If the Spirit of God isn't doing it in you, you're in trouble. But if, with Spirit of God, and I saw, oh, it was so beautiful yesterday. Susan was right there watching. The Spirit of God fell on this woman. And the conviction, and, 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 and she suddenly, she wanted Jesus. She goes, I, I said, now, do you understand? You need to turn away from your sin. You need to turn away from your world. You need to turn to Jesus and trust in him. I said, are you sure you want him? Have you counted the cost? And she goes, I, I, I want him. Right there. I said, right here, right in the casino, you want him? Yeah. And we prayed right there. Prayed right there. Repentance is the first mark. The second mark, the second mark of truly being born again is you're in the process of dying. You seek to, you, you get it. Do you know who your greatest enemy is? You. My greatest enemy is me by far. And every day I say, oh, Lord, please just kill me. Just circumcise my heart. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I but Jesus Christ living through me. The third mark is a transformed mind. I, you can pick out a born-again person so quick because their mind changes. Their mind changes from a worldly mind to a heavenly mind, to an eternal mindset. Now, you know, if you've missed any of these messages, I, there are no more important messages than these last six or seven messages foundational Christianity, please just go to the website, hit media, click podcast, go over and over and over them. Now I want to look at the fourth mark very quickly as we move towards communion. The fourth mark of being born again is you change. There better be a change. You know, a while back I gave the illustration that let's say you're sitting at a restaurant and you're waiting for a friend to come. You're there 15 minutes, they don't show up. You're there a half hour, they don't show up. You're there 45 minutes, they don't show up. And finally, just after 45 minutes, they show up and they're out of breath. 
And they go, you know, I'm so sorry. I'm late. I was driving here. I was on the interstate. I got a flat tire. I pulled off to the side of the interstate. I, I jacked up my car, began to change the tire, accidentally stepped onto the highway. Bam! Mack truck hit me going 70 miles an hour. It hurt a little bit, but I picked myself up, and I, I put on that spare tire, and I rushed here as fast as I can, and here I am. Now, I'm not the smartest light bulb in the classroom. But see, I would go, wait a minute. You just got hit by a Mack truck, and there ain't a mark on you. Are you kidding me? If you get hit by a Mack truck, it's a life-changing experience, trust me. Probably a permanent changing experience for you. And I want you to know this morning, if you get hit by the Mack truck Jesus, he's going to leave his tire marks all over you. On your backside, on your front side, you will be permanently marked with Jesus Christ. Let's make no, no bones about that. I want to say, if you haven't changed and are changing, and looking like Jesus, there's a se- severe problem. You know, there was this cannibal. <laughs> he converted to Christianity. He lived in the South Sea Islands. And one day, this, this cannibal, he was sitting by this large pot. And he was just reading his Bible. And suddenly, this man in a pith helmet came up to him. And the man in the pith helmet said, well, what are you reading? And the cannibal said, well, I'm reading the Bible. The man scoffed, and he boasted, and he said, you know, I am really well-known where I come from. I'm respected anthropologist. Don't you know that in modern civilization, we've rejected this book? It's full of myths. It's full of stories. It's full of legends. Don't waste your time reading this book. And the cannibal looked at the man in the pith helmet up and down, up and down, and then he replied, sir, If it wasn't for this book, you'd be in that pot by now. I'm going to tell you something. When you encounter, when you encounter the Jesus of this book, you change. No, no. When you encounter the Jesus of this book, you change. He changes you. And the reason you change is actually revealed 2,600 years ago. The Hebrew prophet Ezekiel wrote these stunning words, starting in verse 22, chapter 36. Therefore, give the people of Israel this message from the sovereign Lord. I am bringing you back, but not because you deserve it. I am doing it to protect my holy name, on which you brought shame while you were scattered among the nations. I will show you how holy my great name is, the name on which you brought shame among the nations. And when I reveal my holiness... Through you before their very eyes, says the sovereign Lord, then the nations will know that I am the Lord. For I will gather you up from the nations and bring you to your home land again. Do you realize this is prophecy? One of the great prophecies, Ezekiel 36, 37, he's talking about Israel's final regathering before the end of days into their land. That happened in 1948. That's what he's talking about here. They came, it said, not just from the east, they can, it says all over the world. That's what Ezekiel's talking about here. And please note, they would come in an unconverted state. Do you realize that the vast majority of Jews right today in the promised land are agnostic or atheistic? But now watch what happens. Look at this. 
verse 25. Then, then, so he's going to gather them in, which has happened. Now watch this. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away, and you will no longer worship idols. I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take away your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. And you will live in Israel and the land I give your ancestors long ago. You will be my people and I will be your God. Now watch this. I will cleanse you of your filthy behavior. You know this is going to occur in the end of days? This is going to occur in the tribulation period. I believe the Jews that you see gathering right now in Israel and are gathered, there's going to be the greatest revival this world has ever seen. Suddenly during the tribulation period, that terrible seven-year tribulation period that's to come upon the earth, the Spirit of God was going to fall on the Jewish people. And do you see what it says? He's going to cleanse them. He's going to cleanse them, forgive them. He said, I'm going to put a new heart in you. That's new software, heavenly software. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. That's power. They're going to be changed. They're going to be a changed people reflecting their Messiah. Oh, and the world. It'll be an incredible, incredible moment. And we're going to celebrate communion here just in a moment. And Jesus instituted this 2,000 years ago. And guess what? If you've trusted in Jesus, if you're born again, you're the first recipient. You are a greater recipient than the Jews. The Jews haven't received this yet. The Gentiles have received it first. And that's why communion is so very, very, very important. So I just want you to understand that when you meet Jesus Christ, he changes you. He changes how you think, and he changes how you act. Now, we got to move to the challenge here before we hit communion. You know, some years ago in Christian circles, there was this question that was constantly going around. And here was the question. If you were arrested, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Now, that's not only a sobering question, it's a soul-searching question. So let me just, just ask you today, your standing trial for being a Christian, what does your trial look like? James, the half-brother of Jesus, wrote this in James chapter 1 and verse 26. Skip, can you put it up? If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Now, I want you to know that in a court of law, a judge and a jury, they need to examine the physical evidence that may or may not convict you or exonerate you. Therefore, the prosecuting attorney will spend a lot of time examining your daily activities and your habits. What would the physical evidence show in terms of your life or my life? Are you present at church most every Sunday? Or is it just kind of a hit or miss thing like a lot of Americans? Are you part of a small community during the week? You know, the early church is meeting every night, but are you part of a small community where you're praising God, where you're studying the Word, where you're praying for one another, where iron sharpens iron, and you're getting energized? Do you give thanks before eating your meal? You know, that's in the Bible. That's not tradition or ritual. Do you just give thanks? Do you, do you really recognize that, hey, the food that I have isn't from my hand. It comes from God. In fact, everything you have comes from God. Do you thank God? Do you thank him when you're in a public restaurant? Do you own a Bible? And if you own that Bible, do you actually read it? 
often do you read it? Do you read it every day? Do you allow this, the word, to get into here and then into here and really begin to change you and begin to deal with you and allow the Holy Spirit to illuminate and speak to you? How do you spend your free time? Temporal stuff? Stuff that ain't going to matter? Or eternal? Eternal stuff. What would the physical evidence show? Well, in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, now that we're sufficiently convicted, Jesus' final words, perhaps on planet Earth, I love this, but you, he goes to the disciples, I want you to get to Jerusalem. This is after his resurrection. The Romans are looking to slaughter him, and I want you to go back to Jerusalem. We don't realize just how incredible that is. But I want you to go to Jerusalem, wait, and then when you receive the Holy Spirit, you're going to get power. But watch what the power is. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth. You know, in a court of law, the attorneys will call witnesses to the stand to testify against you or on your behalf. You know, just for a moment, I want you to consider right now, just consider the people in your life sort of on a daily event. For example, family members, friends, neighbors, co-workers. What do they see? What do they hear? What words? What words are coming out of your mouth? Will your witnesses state that you are certainly a follower of Jesus? It's no question that you are a follower of Jesus by the words that you speak and in your actions. Or will they say, you know, nah, they're like everybody else in the office. What would they say? In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16, Jesus said this, can you put it up? In the same way, he said, let your light, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. In a court of law, a powerful testimony can sway both judge and jury, either towards your cause or against your cause. Will any of the witnesses any of your witnesses be able to give a moving account of how you have done something in the name of Jesus Christ? Or will your family contradict them and say, no, 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 that's not the person I know at the house in my home? Jesus said in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15 this. He said to them, go, go. It's amazing how we got it all wrong. Bring him into the building. Bring him into the building and let me be the star. I'll save him. Doesn't work like that. Not New Testament, not biblical. Do you know if you're saved, if you're born again, the Spirit of God is in you? And guess what? You're to bring church out there. Isn't that a mind-blowing thought? You go to work tomorrow, vroom, vroom, vroom. You go into your little car. That's church. Because you're there, and you get to work, vroom, and you're in your job, and guess what? Church. You're bringing church. Have you ever thought about that? That's what we're supposed to be doing. You know, there is no doubt that a jury would consider you a dangerous Christian if you went around converting other people to Christianity. How often, how often do you seek just to share the hope that's within you to either family members, neighbors, or co-workers who are unsaved. How often do you just pray for unsaved people? Do non-believers, whether they're family members or neighbors or co-workers, do they ever ask, hey, 
I got a question. I, I, I know you're one of those fundies, or I, I know you're one of them Christians. And they ask you a question. Or they go, you know what? What are you smoking in the morning? Because you're just different. And they, they, they want you to explain that. Does that ever happen to you? Finally, Jesus said in Luke chapter 9 and verse 23, Jesus said this. He said, you know, whoever would come after me, whoever would be my disciple, you must deny yourself. Take up your cross daily. Die daily. Then you can follow me. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake shall find it. Your case The trial's over. Can you imagine it now in your mind's eye? Just for a moment, close your eyes. Your trial's over. Your trial is over. The jury, after hours of deliberation, come filing back into the jury box. There you are. You're seated at the defense table. The foreman stands up, and he's ready to declare his verdict. If he declares that you are innocent and you are set free because there is a lack of evidence, do you feel relief? Wow, that's so awesome. I'm not going to be persecuted. Or do you have great regret that you're not truly living a Christian life? If you are declared guilty, the foreman says guilty, and you are sentenced to death, are you ready to die? Are you you ready to die today for Jesus? And, and, And are you certain, are you certain beyond any other certainty that when you die, when you open your eyes, you will see the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Lord, I pray that every single one of us, every single one of us in this room truly is born again. And real change is occurring in our lives. And if we were on trial right now, there would be enough evidence to convict each one of us. I can't think of a finer thing to to way to end it. What a privilege to die because I not only carry the name of Jesus, I ooze Jesus with my words and my life. And as we move towards communion, may this just be a special moment because you're our hero. That's our whole, you're our whole reason for living, Jesus. And as we take communion, we just want to celebrate that reality. Skip, can you play the video? Hi, I'm Jeff Eckstein, one of the pastors here at Bethlehem Community Church. Welcome to our Sunday podcast, coming to you from the town of Bethlehem in upstate New York in the USA. Bethlehem Community Church is an independent, non-denominational, Bible-based evangelical church that includes people with backgrounds from many denominations. We believe that it is only through the love of the Father, the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on the cross, and the power of the Holy Spirit, that we can come into a personal relationship with God. We are people truly seeking a deeper intimacy with God and with one another. If you'd like to know more about our church, please visit our website at www.bccdelmar.org. There you'll be able to find our Statement of Faith, as well as more about the ministry of Bethlehem Community Church. You'll also be able to submit prayer requests as we are called to pray with and for you. 
We also would love to hear your story and how you found our podcast and where you're listening from. So please visit our website and send us an email. Again, it's bccdelmar.org. That's bccdelmar.org. Thank you for joining us as we continue our pursuit of knowing God and making him known.